And we are continuing our series uh, about on-ramps to the freeway of God's grace, undeserved favor. And if you're doing something for God that you think you're going to get something to deserve something from Him, then that's not grace. Grace is only if you don't deserve it, okay? <laughs> and yet, there are, it's like turning on a, if you're a faucet. You know, we want to turn on a faucet to get some cold water these days. You turn on a faucet. There are, there are means of grace. There's some things we can actually do to get the flow of grace coming our, our direction. It's not that we earn it. It's just turning the faucet on. And, and we've had seven talks uh, covering seven different areas, most recently in 1 Corinthians. And some of the, some of the faucet, uh, some of the on-ramps include repentance and Spiritual gifts, would you agree with that? that? Those repentance accesses God's grace, spiritual gifts, and communion and baptism and declaring blessings on people releases God's grace, covenants, and, uh, and uh, uh, um, Anthony spoke so well on covenants last time, and uh, the cross, the message of the cross. Today, leadership. Leadership is... Um, it releases God's grace to us. And I know as Americans, we are very independent-minded, and, and a lot of times we kind of chafe against the idea of leadership. But God in the Bible has given us gifted leaders, and their job is not to lord it over us, but to be fathers and to be mothers, spiritual fathers and mothers, in a way that God's grace hits us, His undeserved favor hits us with more potency, with more effect, with more vitality, with more energy, with more, with more benefit to us. And that's what I'm going to talk about today from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 5. And I'm reminded of a story my pastor, John Lancaster, would tell from time to time. I want to remind you of it because I've shared it here before, and that is about the pastor in a small town some years ago that every afternoon at 2 p.m., he would go down and watch the train go by. And then silently go back up to, the, to his office at the church and just proceed with his work. And people would ask him, why do you go down there every, every day at 2 p.m. to watch the train go by? And he says, finally, he, he was a little embarrassed about it, but finally he said, well, it's just great to see something move around here that I don't have to push. <laughs> and you know, I think a lot of pastors and leaders feel that way about their ministry. But I want to tell you something, I do not. Because the first, uh, for the first thing I want to say about leadership is that spiritual leadership imparts grace to us through a supernatural, sovereign, God-given increase onto us. And, and I want to just say that I expect and anticipate anything that I do in response to God in terms of serving you. I expect and anticipate God to bless you, to move you, to see growth, to see prosperity, to see blessing, to see you get unjammed in areas of your life that you're jammed up in, to have more levels of joy, to have more levels of increase. And I have benefited that way from other leaders over the years and still do. And I live with that expectation. It's a little bit like my motorcycle 
I, I am going to stop talking about my motorcycle here in a few <laughs> weeks or so. But one problem with my new, uh, my six-year-old new to me motorcycle <laughs> is that it's a classic retro style. It has a Kickstarter. And I'd watch the YouTube tutorials. Boy, those, those uh, you know, 70-pound, 80-pound Asian girls just start those Yamahas up in just one kick. I said, why can't I do this, you know? But I figured out what was wrong. I was jammed up. My Honda 250 I've been riding around for eight years, you have to have the choke on. You have to give it gas to start it. Well, this Yamaha has a fuel injector, and when you give it gas, it floods it. And so it was counterintuitive, but I had to, oh, do not give it gas. When I kickstart, it kickstarts on the first. This is what happens nowadays. Yay! <laughs> so I want to talk with you this morning about four ways that God uses spiritual leadership to impart grace to us. And the first way is spiritual leadership imparts grace to us through God-given increase. We see that in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Who then is Paul? Who's Apollos? Rhetorical question. Who are they? Who are we? Who am I? But we're... But ministers for whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. And if you have a, a leadership role, a five-fold ministry leadership um, from Ephesians 4, you know, if you're an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher, or any leadership role you have, one of the great confidences that you can know is that God is going to surge increase through your efforts. The Bible says, grow not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not, and always be abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I want you to know that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt if I stuck with it, that I could start that motorcycle just as easy as an 80-pound uh, Asian girl on the YouTube tutorial. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that any efforts I exude towards you, I don't labor. I don't, I don't, I, once in a while, someone will post on Facebook how hard it is to be a pastor. And I feel like I'm doing something wrong because it's not hard to be a pastor to you folks. Because I'm not casual, cavalier about it. I'm attentive to what God is doing, but I feel like I am, uh, I'm just following God around and, and trying to do what he wants me to do but in serving you, but it's God actually that's giving you increase, and he is committed to giving you increase. Someone say hallelujah. <laughs> One of the ways that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is wanting to encourage or give clarity to the Corinthian church about is a, is a correction with regarding a basic Christian life paradigm. He preached to them the cross. He preached to them the resurrection of Jesus. He preached to them the baptism of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And they had that going at some level. But some, some bad teachers had come in, some Gnostic teachers, 
had come in that said, you know what, it's kind of embarrassing to talk about this crucifixion business. Let's just kind of move past that. I mean, we're not even sure Paul was even an apostle. We have some other wisdom for you, a higher level of wisdom. In fact, if you see yourself right, you can go ahead and sin all you want because your spirit doesn't sin. Your body might sin, but that's okay if your body does because your, ba- your body's bad anyway. Your spirit stays pure no matter what. That's what these false teachers were saying. That teaching, combined with the fact that many of the people at Corinth had abandoned, not all of them, had abandoned the basic life paradigm that Paul was preaching to them, resulted in all kinds of relational breakdown. There was immorality in the church, and they were tolerating it. And there were lawsuits, and people were getting drunk at communion, believe it or not. And... (laughs) I'm getting a buzz, but it's not the Holy Spirit. You know? <laughs> not, not good. And there were uh, abuse of spiritual gifts. and Things were breaking down. And, and the Apostle Paul had heard about this. So what's he do? He doesn't come back on them and say, shame on you. You need to, you need to change your ways. He starts with reaffirming them in their fundamental identity in the Christian life paradigm that I've shared with you, but I want to say it, I'm hoping to God I can share it in a way that it actually imparts to you, imprints on, upon you in the anointing of the Spirit, the, a paradigm that is really a wonderful life-releasing paradigm of how to live. We protect, we guard for ourselves and for others the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ on his cross. In the attack on it, we fight back, we push back. We always circle, and there's always, the enemy is always wanting to devalue the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ on that cross. There's even a current move right now that says God does not judge us. God, God, does not, uh, God doesn't have any wrath. God does not have wrath. And I want to tell you, he does have wrath. The Bible talks about wrath. It's not like your wrath. It's not like my wrath. He's not a big one of us. But we are rescued from the wrath of God by the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. He died in our place. He took what we deserved. And, and I want to appeal to all of us in our personal journeys with God, protect like you, like you protect your little kids or grandkids, the gospel of Jesus Christ, of his death on the cross, because that is the foundation stone, the first wave of about five waves of, of, of ministry that God works with us in this paradigm I'm talking about. The second, out of the cross of Christ, is the resurrection of Christ. We now have a best friend, best friend named Jesus, who's alive and he loves us. He never will leave you or forsake you, and with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And the third thing is he's continually baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we think of Jesus as way far away, shooting scud baptisms of the Spirit onto us, scud missiles. But I want to tell you that Jesus stands between me and you right now, baptizing you with the Spirit. He's close. Can you, can you shift your thinking into thinking that Jesus is right with you and the Father is right with you, even be closer than I am with you right now? 
And he right now is continually, fear not, little flock, I'm, I'm giving you the kingdom. It is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's my good pleasure to give you the spirit. And the kingdom of God is not uh, meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? All the blessings of the kingdom are in the spirit. So when we continually receive the river of the spirit flooding out of our innermost being and flooding to us from, from wonderful, wonderful, lovely, lovely Jesus, then we get all the blessings of the kingdom continually. And it's really trippy to think about it. I, I, uh, I give you that advice. <laughs> it's, a, it's part of the life paradigm, the, th- the, the fourth thing um, we have the crucifixion the resurrection of jesus the continual baptism of the spirit and what the spirit does is the is fourth and fifth the first thing that the spirit does is he stirs up a supernatural anointing of gifts for you the sample uh, in first corinthians some of them include what word of knowledge supernaturally knowing stuff Word of wisdom, supernaturally being able to give people wisdom. Word of faith, where do I get that? Why do I believe that's going to happen? That's a good thing. Where do I get that? That's a word of faith. It includes healing. It includes miracles. It includes prophetic words. It includes um, discerning of spirits, being able to discern if there's demonic forces at work, being able to discern, discern the spirits, good spirits, angel spirits in a, in a situation and being able to give uh, words of, of tongues, messages in tongues, and interpreting tongues. These are just a sample of the flow of ministry that God gives us for other people. And that's the, that's the, that's the fourth wave, you might say, of this life paradigm that the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians and elsewhere. And then the fifth wave, I love what Bill Johnson, Bethel Redding says, the Holy Spirit is in us for all for our sake and honest for other people's sake. Well, he's honest for other people's sake, but he's, he's working in us for our sake. And that's the fruits of the Spirit. Love, supernatural love. Supernatural joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Peace that passes understanding. Love, joy, peace, patience and tranquility. Inner bliss. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are a sampling of the character, character traits, the personality traits of our wonderful Jesus that he is working in us. He, wave after wave of his, of his supernatural presence is surging through every cell in our bodies, washing away toxic emotions and negative feelings and allowing us to experience at ever-increasing levels the emotions that we will, we will feel forever in heaven. Only we get to do it now. Heavenly emotions, supernaturally, on the inside, right now. Amen. I was thinking about this on my... I mentioned to you that I'm not going to talk about my motorcycle too much. <laughs> I pulled up next to this guy on the... On a, at a stoplight last week. I knew he was admiring my motorcycle. So I looked over at him, his window was down. And I, you know what I said to him? I did actually to Brian and Virginia also. <laughs> on the way to church last week, I said that, told them the same thing. Anytime someone pulls up to you and you're on your motorcycle, they have their window down, here's a good line for you. 
Hey, sir, you know, I asked Jesus into my heart over 40 years ago, and every day since, I've had supernatural joy resonating in my inner world. It is so trippy and cool. <laughs> and the light turned green. <laughs> and I took off way faster than him. But I heard, I heard him say something as I was going. He yelled at me. Hey, man, I'm into Jesus, too, he says. <laughs> so I was able to encourage a guy. But do you see this paradigm? People always have... You're, we're constantly bombarded with information, bombarded with guilt, bombarded with stuff. This should be your priority. No, this should... This, always. And I hope to God that... In Jesus Christ's name, that we can all embrace this life paradigm. We have been blood-bought by the death of Jesus on the cross. That stirs in us this immense continual gratitude. And we say hallelujah to the risen King Jesus, who is always with us, and the Father, who is always with us, who is always standing close to us, not far away, close to us, closer than I am to you, baptizing us continually with a river of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person that he baptizes you with continually. And then out of that, you want to um, share. You want to do spiritual gifts. You want to go around doing good like Jesus did when he was filled with the Holy Spirit and helping people be delivered from the, from the enemy. And that, however that might work out in your life, just a life of freedom and joy and ministry to others. And then also at the same time, allowing God to give you inner bliss of the fruits of the Spirit and the emotions that surge through Jesus' um, emotional capacities right now also start surging through us and our inner world. And um, all the toxic stuff gets washed away. Hallelujah. So that's that. As a pastor, I have confidence this is going on in your life. Can, do, you, do you blame me for being so happy about serving you guys when God's doing this in your life? You can't blame me. I got the happiest job on the planet. I expect, I expected to be able to start my motorcycle. In time, I knew it was going to happen. You should expect God's going to help you get unjammed in whatever situation you might find yourself in. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to get unjammed, and you're going to be able to flow more amazingly and beautifully in your life. And uh, I'll give you two examples. One is Ken. Ken was in Phoenix when we lived. I lived in, Brent and I lived in Phoenix, our family for six years, and for seven of those six years, <laughs> actually, we lived in Bedford, and still he was our auto mechanic for a while. But Ken, um, I shared Christ with him whenever my car broke down, pretty much for seven years. Not the same car, different cars. <laughs> After seven years, he prayed to be saved. I knew it was going to happen, I just kind of just kept working at it. And there's a guy named Ted when we lived in Astoria area. And he, we lived in a town called Hammond, which was five, population 500, and there was a charter boat uh, 
and store owner there. There's two stores in town, and Ted was the owner of one of them. Uh, Jim and Michelle remember Corky's store there. And Ted had Christian son, a Christian son that was praying for him. And, but Ted, you can, always, you can always tell when someone is going to come to Christ because the, a, a spirit-filled Jesus person is the aroma of Christ in a positive way to them. And, and they, they find themselves sort of gravitate towards Holy Spirit people. And anyway, Ted says to me, Pastor Dan, his son had been praying for him. Anytime you want to go charter fishing, you can go for free. I took him up on it quite often. And you know what? I never got to pray with him to be saved. And I don't even know if he, you know, I don't know who did, but I walked in a certain confidence that it was going to happen. I shared Christ with him. Um, I know it's going to happen because his son was praying for him. What I'm asking you to do with regard to your children, grandchildren, yourself, others, anticipate and expect. This is a, this, I have four points, and this is just the first one. But it's a good one. I might not get to all of them, but I'm going to get as far as I can today. But this whole business of, I planted, Apollos watered, but God, he's the one that gave the increase. Hallelujah. It's awesome. His increase. That's how he uses leaders. Then, let's go to um, the second point. I know, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be saved at the end if you haven't got responded to Jesus. Ted, if you're, if you're watching this, this is your day, okay? <laughs> Thanks for taking me charter fishing. <laughs> Number two of the four. Spiritual leadership imparts grace through a diversified team effort. This whole business of a one-man band in a church or to think in terms of the pastor being first string and then he needs a break once in a while so he lets the second stringers come in, that's baloney. In the Bible, there's multi-leaders of equal serving and anointing in a, to, that serves Jesus to a congregation. That's what we're committed to here. Point three of the four. Spiritual leadership. In, oh, I forgot to give you the verse on the other ones. Um, I planted Apollos water. That's just an example, but there was Priscilla and Aquila, and there, and, and there was Timothy, and there were others that worked with Paul uh, continually in his ministry. Three, spiritual leadership imparts grace through a clear vision of what God is up to. What is God up to in your life? What is the end game? It's right here, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, first metaphor. I am a farmer, you're the field. I plant, someone else waters, God gives increase. That's who you are. There's growth happening, there's harvest in your life. That's the end game. That's what God's up to in your personal journey. Or, to switch metaphors, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, notice that word, grace of God, God's riches at Christ's expense, undeserved favor, according to the undeserved favor of God, which was given to me, to give to you, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another, that is Apollos, Priscilla, Aquila, whoever, is building on it. And those, those, uh, those bad teachers that are, that are not serving you well, we're just going to expect those are, God's going to take care of those. But this is 
also going on, so listen up to them. My friends, the Apostle Paul emphasizes the same motif in Ephesians when he says, here's the end game, Ephesians 4. God's given us a leadership, leadership. Apostles. Say apostles. apostles. Say the others. Prophets. Prophets. Evangelists. Evangelists. Pastors. Pastors. Teachers. To prepare God's people for works of service. Nice try. How about this one? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. There, that's better. That's the version you're more, more used to, I think. Till we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God. Knowledge is cognitive, but also experiential. Till we all come to a full, a full experience of Jesus more and more. And then he says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What is God up to? What's his end game through leadership? Is you experiencing Jesus and being like Jesus in the gifts and fruits and emotions and expectations and closeness to the Heavenly Father that Jesus walks in. As he is, so are we in this world. Right now, in his resurrection power, so are we in this world. We get the same thing. Hallelujah. So here's how one leader put it, namely me. As a leadership team, everything we do as a leadership team, everything we do is designed to equip you to live in this world with maximum impact and supernatural Jesus presence. That's what we're doing. Every time I do teaching or any of the team does, anytime we talk to you on the phone, text you, post on Facebook, well, not all the time on Facebook, but most of the time, social settings, workshops, enjoying fellowship groups, it's all about imparting to you the knowledge and experience of Jesus and helping you to thrive in the abundant life that he purchased for you on the cross. Resurrection, baptism of the Spirit, gifts, fruits of the Spirit, all flooding us continually. Amen. I asked Brenda who, who has impacted her over her life that way in terms of leadership and I just said you know don't think about it just off, off, uh, off top of your heart just tell me she said Cindy Jacobs because Cindy Jacobs I said why because she operates with feminine authority in Christ and she operates with a gentle anointing of Jesus but powerful in Jesus and I've always got a blessing from Cindy Jacobs and, and um, we all have our own sort of uh, list of people that have blessed us and continue to bless us and influence us. But the whole point is that leadership gives us this clear dream for our future, and that is experiencing and being like the beautiful one. The team can start coming up, Jim, to get ready to worship. We're going to worship together. Fourthly, spiritual leadership imparts grace through honey and through vinegar. Paul gives a reward and a warning. You know there's great rewards from spiritual leadership, you know? The reward is it works. <laughs> People really get happy in God. Someone told me at the Saturday night service last week, they said, you know, I've been to a lot of churches over the years, and I've never been to a church that has such freedom with joy. 
Mind you, that was Saturday night. And there's a lot of joy there, but it's just a smaller group. It works. It really does. Um, if you're called to leadership, and we all are, I mean, if you're the only Christian on your block, you're the leader. And even if there are other Christians there, you may still be the leader. You're the spiritual leader of your family, your oikos, your sphere of influence. Sometimes you have to use honey, and sometimes you have to use vinegar. And, and I'm not going to read it all here, but the Apostle Paul, in verse 10 and following, actually gives a warning. Some people build on Jesus, some leaders build. And this is inviting us all to our leadership role, and it's, a very, it's a, an appeal for seriousness. Because there's a reward in heaven. Some of us build on and, and experience in our building precious stones, silver, gold, precious stones. Others, wood, hay, and stubble. And when Christ comes back on the last day, the wood, hay, and stubble gets burned up. And they'll be saved as if by fire. I don't want that to be me. I'm serious about leadership. I get the reward of seeing it work. But I have the fear of God on me about not messing up. And we all should. Okay? That's just a warning. It's not, a, not to put phobia in you, but to put respect and honor, your own sphere of influence, your own calling for leadership. Quickly, to focus, what do you lead with? Well, you lead with the word of God and your, your own life. What's Jesus doing in you that's amazing? Note it. Write it in a journal. Write it in the notes of your Write it in your Bible, and you've heard me say before, many of you, if your Bible is too amazing and expensive to write in, throw it away and buy a cheaper one <laughs> so you can write in your Bible. Or take notes, and then whatever you're, you know, I like what Bill Johnson put, has on his desk and, uh, with regard to preaching. He says, if it feeds me, it'll feed them. Whatever is working in your life, make sure you give it away. Jesus said, freely receive, freely give. Okay? Um, let's stand up. Right now, if you want to get started with Jesus, Ted, or whoever else is watching today, hopefully, hopefully I wish, God, will you please make Ted watch this today for next week? <laughs> Say this after me, very simple prayer. All of us together, make it easier for anyone here who might want to be saved. If you don't know Christ, this is your day to have your spirit born again. Born from above. Miraculously born of God. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I call upon you to save me. I confess you as my Lord. I believe God raised you from the dead. I am saved. I am born again. I'm on my way to heaven. And all the good stuff. Amen. If you said that for the first time, be sure and tell a Christian friend. They will help you grow to ever-increasing levels of supernatural joy and blessing as a disciple of Jesus yourself. Be sure and tell them. Don't miss out on that part. Let's worship King Jesus before we go home today. Amen. I think there's a theme of living in God's glory this morning. Amen.
Psalm 91, may no plague come near your tent. May God answer your prayers above and beyond what you ask or even imagine. May everything you do prosper because you're planted by rivers of living water who is Jesus Christ, the risen one, your best friend. May he give you ever-increasing opportunities to share his love and his life with others in all kinds of creative ways. 
and may you personally have ever-increasing waves of, uh, of revelation of his incredible affection for you. We love you too. Have a great day. <laughs>